Hey guys, if y'all watch 60 Minutes, then and if you own a home, the, you just got very nervous. The FBI's former head of cybercrimes warned homeowners that foreign and domestic thieves can steal your home. You didn't have any idea that your home could be stolen, but it can. They do it all online. That's because home titles and mortgages are kept on databases that can be hacked. And if you have equity in your home, here's how they get you. They simply forge your name on your home's title, use your home as collateral to borrow cash, stick you with the payments, and no bank or identity theft program protects you. You need Home Title Lock, America's leading title and mortgage guardian. For pennies a day, Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home, title, and mortgage. If cyber thieves tamper with it, well, then Home Title Lock's going to mobilize to help shut it down. And you, you might not even know it, but you might already be a victim. Here's how to find out. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Register for your free title scan and report $100 value and uh, free sign up. So don't let cyber thieves steal your home. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Don't you miss it. It's good to be back in the studio here in Studio 22. It's been uh, 10 days on the road. We've been out of here. And so we want to appreciate those of you who've been keeping up and watching the podcast over the last week and a half that we have been out and gone. It seems like we're just live here coming to you, but it is pre-recorded. Now, this episode that you're about, that you're watching right now, this is happening. This is Tuesday. This is this is happening today. This is a relevant episode that you are going to want to share with everyone you know. It's going to trigger you. It's going to make you think. It's going to make you cry. It's going to get you excited. It's going to give you hope more than anything. And I think that this is one that you're going to want to talk about with your family, with your friends, and make sure that everybody gets it. Now, before we get into all of that excitement, I want to say, again, go over to YouTube and watch it there. Go to wherever podcasts are offered. Watch it there so we can keep the analytics and the numbers and make sure that we are coming to you in the proper ways that we need to. I know Facebook's nice, sweet, and easy, but they're all still Gestapo and crazy hardline people that doing everything they can to censor us. Isn't that right, party foul, Steve? That's right. Sitting <laughs> over there in the peanut gallery along with Hot News Natalie. And I haven't seen I haven't seen Natalie. I haven't seen you in a long time. I've missed you guys. I missed you too. It's so good to be back. Mm-hmm. We had and to have you back. And conquer. Yeah, we we're both doing different projects, so it's been it's fun to be back home. Let's don't do that anymore, okay? Right. Every now and then, maybe <laughs> once a year, that's okay. But now we've gotten that out of our system. Mm-hmm. None of no more of that, Steve. I'm so tired of Steve Powell's face after yeah. being with him ten days on the road. Same hotels, same rental cars, same airplanes, same bed. Nope. No, he put him in another hotel. I even put him in a separate a hotel away. by the end of the road trip. Yeah. I wouldn't, he stayed down the road. I don't even know how that happened. I couldn't. I do. Very, I know exactly how it happened, I was my very friend. Disappointed. I know, but but who I haven't seen and who I'm so excited to see is is Puppet Master Mark sitting over here at the deck controlling Hello. everything. And I told Candice, Queen of the, the Ethiopians, that's what we call her over here, Candice, Queen of the Ethiopians. She was like a breath of fresh air when I saw her walk out of that studio after not seeing her. I know you felt the same way when you saw me, yeah, right? All is right with the world now. Like we can we can move on. And there is good. balance in the kingdom. Yeah, like it's good to be back home. Did you watch that Game of Thrones nonsense? I did not, but I've I've heard all the drama. Well, here's the thing: I don't understand about any of that. Those people spent eight years of their life watching a television show, almost with a religious fervor, only to decide in the last three episodes of the whole thing they didn't like any of it. Yeah. Talk about wasting your life. <laughs> well. Talk about spending your life on purpose. I got my mentor, my good friend, my brother, a spiritual father to me, James Robinson. I can't believe I wrangled you in 
to Studio 22 to get in here. It's good to see you. It's just because it was only a short distance up the road. That's the only reason. <laughs> I mean, we didn't get I on had, a plane or anything. Yeah, I passed you on the way to the office, so I stopped by. <laughs> <laughs> I just grabbed it through you in the truck. So, James, you have been a mentor to me for a long, long time, both directly and indirectly. We've developed a great friendship, and and I uh, – I was telling somebody the other day, they said, what's James Robinson like? And I said, well, let me tell you, James is the kind of guy who's going to tell you what you need to hear, whether you want to hear it or not, whether you're ready. He's going he's gonna to lick the butter on the biscuit. He's going to tell you what's, what's going on. And uh, I've always told you, I welcome that, I honor that, and there's some things going on in the country. And the other day I said, i got to get James on here to let him speak into some of this stuff that's going on. So thanks for coming in. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, then I'm going to turn you loose, because I know you're chomping at the bits. I'm glad to see you, Chad. I, uh, <laughs> I, I want everybody that likes you to know that we really encourage you to find your way, not only in your pickup truck, which I really like you in the pickup truck, mm-hmm. with the hat, and with now the dog in the back, and that's a very good dog, uh, listens to you. It's got to be an amazing dog. Doesn't leave when you're talking. He just stays right there. Six. But I, I did uh, let you know that I felt like you were as gifted as anyone I've ever seen at telling truth in a way that people listen to it and get it and respond to it. And I believe that they're convinced that the guy that's talking so fast, we can't believe it, can still pronounce the words right, get all his history right, get all the facts right. Amazing. And that uh, I knew that God really did want to use you to speak truth what I believe is transforming truth to the nation. And I made a statement to you a few years ago before all these things started happening when I did tell you I thought they would because I thought they should. And I really believe the journey you're on supernatural. But I said something to you that I really believe. I said, you're going to be Will Rogers on steroids. (laughs) And I really do believe that. I believe you are Will Rogers in high gear. I think you probably have more depth of understanding the wisdom that comes from above even than he did and what a great man Will Rogers was, what a positive impact he made. We're at a very needy time right now in our nation. Freedom is being threatened like never before. I'm talking about real freedom, meaningful freedom. It's freedom that gives people to live with their fists clenched in the face of a holy God if they want to. You see, that's freedom. But you see, if we have freedom to tell the truth, then we will speak words with conviction, courage, and compassion in order to help those who are living out of sync with reality, with nature's God and nature's law. And so we, the people of God, who believe there is a God, a creator, who have a relationship with a God, not just a religious pedigree or heritage, but a living, genuine relationship with a living God who is Father, the ultimate Father, the Father who always knows best. Those of us who know Him must always be free to proclaim His truth in love, with conviction, in courage, and with compassion, as long as there is life on this earth. There is an all-out assault against something that Peter, the apostle, said was very, very important. And by the way, Peter was an imperfect man that God mightily used to accomplish his perfect purpose at that time. Peter said we need to build up everything pertaining to life and godliness. There's another father in the universe, a father of lies, a deceiver, a divider, a destroyer, a murderer. And every every person that responds to him is actually found opposing everything pertaining to life and godliness. So what I believe we're here to do, if we know the Father, is to protect life and exalt godliness in the right way. Not religious traditions of men, but a real relationship with a God that does love everybody and gave his son that everyone could find redemption and freedom 
so that when you experience freedom's blessings, you don't just begin to worship more idols because nice things happen. You don't have to worship evil things to be an idolater. You can actually worship very good things and put them ahead of God. So I think I think with all you do, uh, I believe you're called to remind people that we're here for a purpose. And I think you can do it so well. Chad, you're an amazing person. I'm glad to be with you. I wish I could just keep you around all the time, James, just just to encourage me and tell me all these good things. Maybe we'll get my mother on the phone and she could hear all these. <laughs> would she be giving me a high five? She probably would be. Yeah. She probably would be. That's why we won't do it. Well, you know, you're going to find you don't want to give me the floor too often because I'll go ahead and take off. I know you will. No. Well, that's what I told you. I said, I'm yeah. going to turn you loose yeah. and I'm going to, but I want to talk to you about, let's talk about the liberty we've got in this country. Now, <clears throat> walk me through where we are in terms of your experience with Donald Trump. And I want you to tell me some history. I want you to go all the way back to Ronald Reagan here. And I want you to tell me how, because we're going to get into your story in a minute, and that's pertinent to all of it as well. But I want us to go back and walk me kind of through the process of what you've seen this country evolve through since the days of Ronald Reagan and everything we've gone through, because now we have mass media. we got 24-7 news cycles. We have social media. We have the, Things are coming at us in bites and sound bites, and it's, it's moving almost quicker than the speed of thought, how much information is coming our way. And I think people are really, really confused on how to think about these things. Well, much of the information that's being piped is, is totally out of sync with the heart and mind of the Creator. Uh, against nature's law and nature's God. I mean, if you look at the all the candidates right now that are running, they are basically lined up to run against everything pertaining to life, even the most innocent life, to the beauty of life in a marriage relationship and commitment, to the beauty of the family. They are actually running against the freedom that makes government serve we the people, not take care of them, not be a nanny state, but gives us the opportunity of being protected. They should have been closing in on the opoids a whole lot sooner than they did. They actually, in fact, were found in their bureaucratic agencies to be supporting the crisis in a way. So we have got a government that's totally out of control right now must be brought under control. This is something that is more radical and extreme than anything we could ever imagine. You can't even identify the natural sex of a person, or if you misidentify, you could be fined or even put in jail because you're not following this new trend that's going on, which is against godliness, against nature's law and nature's God, against truth, the standard of God. So this is a fierce thing. And I, I never believed I would be living to see what we're, we're seeing right now. And it's breaking my heart. Back when Reagan was uh, uh, governor of, our, of uh, uh, California, uh, we had, as a Southern Baptist evangelist, Billy Graham and I both, very close since I was 19 years old, uh, Billy and I were Southern Baptist's most visible evangelists. He's the most visible evangelist and preacher that's ever lived. And we were very close. <clears throat> Another great man named Bill Bright at Campus Crusade, called me in the uh, latter, um, I'd say, uh, term of uh, our Baptist Sunday school teacher, President Jimmy Carter, and said, we feel that we are about to lose freedom. And Billy Graham said that I have heard very clearly that we have three years of freedom, a thousand days, unless we get leadership that is principled and courageous and can communicate truth to the American people. So Billy called a two-day prayer meeting. He asked me to get the leading uh, mainline evangelical leaders like Charles Stanley and Adrian Rogers and asked them if they would come and spend two days in prayer. We did. We prayed two days. 
And Billy said, I am convinced we've got to have strong leadership or the Soviet Union will conquer the world. And he began to give reasons for believing that. And military leaders that he had talked to, and I ultimately talked to all of them, the Soviets were breaking every agreement they made. They were in position to take over the world, literally. All the economic standing in the world, they were in place to take it. And they said, we need a leader. And Billy Graham asked, just looking around the room, do you think this Governor Reagan might be a man strong enough? Do you think he's principled enough? We know he's articulate. What do you think? And we said, well, we ought to pray about it because we were deeply concerned about our president and whether or not he would take a stand. As a result of that prayer meeting, Charles Stanley said, I will lay down my life to protect freedom. Adrian Rogers said the same thing. All of us in the room said we will do whatever it takes to turn this nation back to God and to get strong leadership. And they asked, and someone talked to Governor Reagan, and God miraculously put me in the room with him. And I told him about that prayer meeting. It stunned him. I found out from his friends who were closest to him he was planning not to run. But after he heard about that prayer meeting, it, it really got his attention. Jerry Naylor is still alive. He wonder if you could talk to Jerry Naylor. He followed Buddy Holly. When Buddy Holly was killed in a plane crash, he became the lead singer uh, with the crickets. He was the events coordinator for the things that Reagan did very close. Jerry said that what happened in that room when we were talking totally refocused Reagan to know he had to run. It ends up that God put on my heart to host a meeting here in Dallas called the National Affairs Briefing. Reagan came to speak at that meeting. We planned the meeting actually together, a miracle of prayer. When Reagan came, I made a suggestion to him sitting with John Conley before we went out, Governor Conley, who was shot with Kennedy. Both of them were shot in the same, uh, you know, driving through motorcade. Dallas in the motorcade. And Conley said, I want you to listen to what James suggests, and I want you to listen to him preach because he's representing the concerns of the people who really care about freedom. And he, he did do that. But I said, uh, Mr. Reagan, I'd like to suggest that when you walk out to the crowd, you know this is a nonpartisan meeting we don't endorse. We endorse principles, not candidates. You might say, I know this is bipartisan and you can't endorse me. I said that because I want you to know I endorse you and what you stand for. The place exploded. That was headlines nationwide. Suddenly, Governor Reagan thrust to the forefront, never slowed down, won miraculously that election. The next one, he only lost one state, and that was with the candidate running against him, and he barely lost that one. Reagan was a miracle worker to stop the Soviet threat. Okay, that happened because of prayer. Now, fast forward, Chad. We're in a worse place today. We have had leadership in the White House that has broken down every wall, everything that mattered, and everything pertaining to life and godliness is vulnerable. Freedom is vulnerable. We are going to lose it if we don't maintain the positive correction and direction that we're now seeing. So I'm telling you, we are making some strides forward because the church, true believers, have decided to push back against the gates of hell. Jesus said the gates of hell are not to prevail against my church. There are no gates of hell in the next kingdom. So where does the church push back against the prevailing influence of the gates of hell, death, destruction, 
deception and division. We push back now, which is what I see you so ably calling it to do. It's what Glenn Beck's been doing for a long time. He's been pushing back against the influence of the gates of hell and has become a champion for freedom because of it. There are many who are doing that. This is what must happen today, and we're seeing it happen. If the church, the people who know God, will stand up, we have a chance to see freedom's foundation restored, not destroyed, and see the future of freedom secured because people who love God, who love the Lord, the author of freedom, have taken a stand. It is time for Christians to come out from undercover, stop hiding the light, the liberating light of his life and his truth, become salt that is effective, no longer ineffective, and all the sacred is trampled under the feet of men. When salt loses its effect, Jesus said, it's trampled under the feet of men. Everything precious and sacred today that we hold dear and know is so important, so valuable, is being trampled under the feet of men. We, as believers, can put that to a screeching halt by becoming the shining city set on a hill. That's where we stand together, Chad. Somehow you and I know we've been called to stand together, to use the gift that we have, just like I believe Glenn's using the gift God has given him, to push back against this destructive influence. And I'm thanking God for it, but I'm telling you, now is the time to come out from undercover. Push back now against the influence of death and destruction. Please, please stand. We have a chance to secure the future of freedom. We do not have to give the title deed to the garden of God, planet Earth, and our nation, and our community, and our family, and our subdivision to the deceiver and the destroyer. We can take back the ground that has been given over to the deceiver. And that's what I'm praying God's people will stand up and do. Everybody that loves freedom, everybody with common sense, stand up now and push back. I know that there's going to be people who are watching this and they say, well, how in the world? First of all, there are going to be those who say, okay, well, I don't believe in this God stuff and this prayer stuff and blah, blah. You know, this things are just happening the way they happen, and that's just the way things are going to go. That's one issue. And then you're going to have others who are going to look and say, well, how can you support a current government under someone like a Donald Trump? I know that for me personally, early on, I didn't support Donald Trump. I didn't think that he was the moral man that America needed to be the president of the United States. I think you felt the same way in the way you approached that. But I am today, and I think you are today, and some things have kind of shown us why that's relevant. How can a person who claims to be a believer support a guy like Donald Trump with his history and the way that he has handled himself over the years and how he handles himself today? Well, I just referenced Simon Peter. Donald Trump's done a lot of things awful, but Simon Peter being one of the closest disciples to the greatest teacher that ever walked on the planet who taught only perfectly— he did it exactly right. Simon Peter, who was close to him for three years, denied Jesus three times. I, I don't know our president ever did that. He did a lot wrong. I knew 10 of the 17 candidates, many of them, all my life. Some of them had followed our ministry. We were close to them. I prayed with them. I knew them. I, I was excited about several of them being, and, and Donald Trump was not one of them. He would have been my last pick. But something began to happen. This man just kept standing there saying, I really want to make America great again. We can make America great again. The common sense people that realize that the nanny state, radical socialism, an out-of-control, progressive, liberal, socialist uh, government was not, not right. They could see it. 
mm-hmm. and they were fed up with the manipulative, lying, deceptive media. And all of a sudden they see this billionaire who had lived for himself <laughs> say, I want to help you. And they actually believe that this man cared about him. Well, the fact is he actually does very deeply, but, but I didn't know that. I didn't believe that. And all of a sudden the other candidates began to talk to me because I was praying with them. And they said, James, this man can withstand the storm that's going to come if we begin to correct the things wrong in this nation. And when all of a sudden, a man, I bought him his first suits, Governor Huckabee, you know, Sarah Sanders' dad. And what a great job she's doing. All this is amazing. And, and Governor Huckabee begins to tell me, Donald Trump will listen. All of a sudden, I begin to talk to the Governor Perry call me. James, there's 17 of us on that platform. I'm convinced there's only one person that can withstand the assault that's going to come when we begin to, quote, make America great again. We start getting things right with this very corrupt, out-of-control government and the bureaucratic agencies. This man can withstand it. Well, I'm thinking, I don't believe this. And then Ben Carson and I are praying. When Ben drops out, Ben and I have been praying all the way through. Many times he called me dad. You know, you see, we're, James, I love you. We're close. We're, we're praying together. And he suddenly says, because uh, I'm asking him to help some of the other candidates when he dropped out. He said, well, James, I don't think any of them are going to want to talk to me because I'm going to endorse Donald Trump tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to him while he's down at his home in, in, uh, in Florida. He said, I just spent two hours with Trump. I said, Ben, what are you doing? He said, James, I really believe this man will listen. And he said, I'm going to endorse him. And I've asked that he spend at least an hour to start with with you as part of my endorsement. And he said he will. So will you spend that time with him? I said, Ben, I can't believe you're doing this. But, of course, I'll spend time with anybody and talk to them about what's on my heart because I love people. I love this country. I love my family, my 11 grandchildren, now four great-grandkids. I said, I just, uh, yes, I'll talk to him. And so I did. And interestingly, all of the strong leaders in the country, some of the people who had created tremendous wealth because of the free market and the opportunities freedom given hosted a meeting with all the church leaders they could get to come. And uh, I was able to help with that and kind of coordinate because Mr. Trump spent uh, time with me. I flew to Trump Tower just like he told Ben he would. And uh, we sat and we talked a long time. Well, at that meeting with all these leaders, he made the statement with the circle of the strongest leaders in the room. He said, James Ben Carson said he would endorse me only if I'd talk to you. And he said, you remember we spent, what, we spent two hours together? I said, no, sir, it was an hour and a half. But I said, I might add, that's probably the longest you've ever been quiet in your entire life. <laughs> of course, he died laughing, everybody else died laughing. But here's the thing, Chad. I've never seen a man listen more attentively. Eric, his son, was with us for the first 10 minutes. And we talked about how our nation was fatherless and needed a father. And Eric said, well, he's a great father. And I said, well, Eric... Our nation needs a father, but there's only one father who knows best, and that's God. I said, what if we try to help your dad learn wisdom from that father? He said, count me in. I have watched this man. Now, listen to me. For the entire several years since uh, the spring back of 16, back in March, I have been with a man that listens as intently. Watch him. If you you want to see what the real Donald Trump's like, now remember he's always going to be a showman, he's always going to be a counterpuncher, he's going to be a street fighter, he's a New York contractor that, to our own dismay, still talks like a New York contractor. <laughs> we wish he wouldn't say some of the things he says. 
But he didn't come out of the choir. He didn't come out of the Sunday school class. He came out of the New York climate. He was wrapped up in himself far too much. Now I'm going to tell you as, as forcefully as I can say it. Donald Trump is wrapped up in the future of this nation and your well-being. Chad, he wants the best for everybody. He actually believes there is a father who knows best. He actually believes in the importance of wisdom. And even some who had been critical of him now say, when you put right in the wing, not right wing, when you put correct in the room, when you put wisdom, when you put best in the room, he goes to the right, to the best, whatever's best. He listens. Watch what he's doing right now with immigration to understand more about how much we do need the right people coming across that border to help us, how much we need to relate correctly, how much we do need to protect the American people. The left does not give a rip about protecting anything but their future and their place in power. And they are so confused. If they actually really believe what they say they believe, it's almost like they've, they've become mentally deranged. Romans 1 says they have a reprobate mind. Once you cast aside the truth of God and change it into a lie, you are given over to control by your own appetites, even when they're unnatural. But you'll reach a place where you can't think straight. You don't know right from wrong, good from evil, night from day left from right. You think two plus two equals five, and you will defend that nonsense. The stand these people are taking is so ridiculous, it, it borders on the edge of absolute insanity. How in the world can we allow insanity to rule? Well, common sense Americans are saying we're not going to. People who know the Father that knows best knows we must not allow it to happen. So what is happening, we've got a man who is tireless, who is fearless, who is unintimidatable, will not allow anybody to manipulate him, who actually, as he said to me, as forceful as anyone ever has, surround me with prayer and surround me with wisdom. Surround me, James. Don't ever let me forget that. Prayer surrounds him with wisdom. The prayers of people, the concern of people. Watch him if you want to see him. When he walks out to go to the helicopter, watch how he treats the media that treats him worse than a dog. They never say anything good about him. Nothing, ever. And he stands there and politely answers the questions of the very people who are determined to destroy him. He will listen. I've never seen, and I've said this publicly, and I'll say it to you right now. I'll say it to the world. I was close to several presidents, very close. Thank God for great presidents and what they tried to do. Many have failed, and one of the reasons they failed is because we, the people who say we know God, haven't prayed faithfully and fervently enough. We haven't even stood. We just complain, but we don't vote to correct the course. We don't stand to get great leaders in place, and when we get great leaders in place, we begin arguing about maybe they don't say the right word or say it the right way or say it the way we want it. Stop the nonsense. God used a Churchill who some people thought was an alcoholic. He has used some very strong people. He used Patton to help win the war, and he believed in reincarnation. But God used him in answer to prayer. So keep praying for Mr. Trump. I am absolutely convinced this man is as teachable. I'm, I'm 75 years old. I have been in active ministry for nearly 60 years. I have preached to millions of people. I'm on television every day. Fifty years I've been on television all over the world speaking the truth. I meet with leaders, business leaders, 
national leaders, church leaders. I have never, are you listening to me? I have never spent time with a man in person, in the suburban, on the plane, right in his face, on the phone. I have never talked to a man who listened with more respect and more sincere appreciation. Does he ever challenge? You better believe it. Does he ask James? Explain that. Clarify it. And sometimes I'll sit and he say, but don't you think what I'm doing is working? And I say, yes, it works. But always remember, we may need to adjust. What has worked may not be the key for the future. He gets just as quiet as you are right now. I'm telling you, Donald Trump is an answer to prayer. So we want to keep praying that he'll keep doing the right things. And we need to pray that people will get their head out of the sand, come out from undercover, stand up like the shining city set on a hill, and let's illuminate the way to safe harbor. Let's don't just miss the icebergs of immediate destruction. Let's sail towards safe harbor. Excuse me for preaching, Chad. But no, that's you God, know. That's what God called come me Come on. You know, the thing that you and I have talked about, and what's near in my heart is, by and large, Americans are going to vote according to their pocketbook. They're going to look at the economy, and that's going to be the litmus test of the health of leadership and how we're going. In. And the economy's not bad. By the way, God cares about the economy. He does care Why about does the economy. Why does the shepherd say, I lead you into green pastures, right. not barren pastures? Why did God say to Israel, every time you return to me and get right with me, I'll make up for the years the locusts have eaten. I'll, you will again grow grain. You will again have vineyards. Mm -hmm. God said, I want to lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. And the more blessed they were, the more idolatrous they became. And he warned them against freedom provides much to worship mm -hmm. because freedom blesses you with the benefits of prosperity that only freedom can mm -hmm. offer. He wants us to share that with others. America has been the most benevolent, not only blessed, but benevolent nation in history. We're about to lose that. So we don't have to lose it. God cares about the economy. He cares about us being able to meet our needs. He said, I will make up what the enemy destroyed. That's what he's doing right now. Right. Thank God for it. Yeah. And so now, because light exposes darkness in the way that it does, and that's just a natural fact as well as a spiritual fact, we're seeing things being exposed rather than a blessed economy. Now we have people who are wanting to rebel against probably the best economy many people have lived in in a long, long time. I, I do live shows for a living. I do live events. People can afford to buy tickets to come see the shows. Why? Because their economy. There's nobody out there that wants to work that can't work. But yet people are rebelling against that because the darkness is 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 just pushing back against that light. They're, they're wanting to embrace things like socialism. They want to embrace things like uh, universal income and health care and Medicare for all and free college education. These things that are going to absolutely break us in terms of an economy. All of them are another form of suicide. Right. That's where insanity takes you. It's, it's absolutely destroying their own future. The foolishness that they're accepting. But then all you got to do is read the headlines to see where we are on the moral issues as well, the ethical issues. Because I personally believe that whenever you start to think that a nation's problems are about its politics and not about its ethics, then people are going to get to a point where they think they can steal the ballot box and they can put themselves in power. And that's exactly what the left is doing, because they have forgotten the ethics and the morals that we're built on as a foundation in this country. And they're saying, well, it's all political problems. A baby is not a baby that's in the womb. It's now a protoplasmic blob of, of, of 
fetal tissue that we don't can't identify, and it's not a baby. It's it's not a person. It's a possibility. We well, hear that kind of logic. It's born if you don't want it. Exactly. Let it die. Exactly. This is the nonsense. This is the rhetoric rhetoric that people are saying that this is normalized. There was a lady on Twitter just yesterday who posted a picture of a 12-week-old baby, unborn baby, 12 weeks in the womb, and said, you you know, there are certain things you can see, certain things you can't see. The comments underneath that were absolutely horrendous. The, the, The people making ridiculing it, making the jokes of it. And they say, I couldn't believe that one human being was saying this about another human being. And so now we have this Alabama law, you know, and, and I, what do we think on these things? You know, Alabama legislation comes along and says that if a doctor performs an abortion, then they're going to go to jail for a very long time. Uh, and then you have folks like Pat Robertson who wants to come out and say, well, it was too much. Too, they went too far because it can't be defended in the Supreme Court. And I understand where Pat's coming from on a thing like that. But and I don't think we're standing at the top of the hill. We're at the mountain of a very we're at the bottom of a very large mountain looking up because just because we pass a law or some legislation every now and then does not mean that we're winning these ethical and moral battles that I believe are near and dear to the heart of God. Nothing's more near and dear to the heart of God than an unborn, innocent child. Nothing more than that. And, and we're sitting here looking at this. And this is this is one of those topics and one of those issues that I wanted us to get into because I know it's something close to you from a personal experience. Well, my mother was a hospice nurse. 40 years old, had never had a child, had been married young, adopted a boy uh, that was 14 years old at the time that she's a hospice nurse, and went on into the military, highly decorated in the Air Force, uh, wonderful, had uh, four beautiful children. They called me uncle. But my mother could not have a baby, according to the doctor. She had divorced many, many years before. Now she's serving as a hospice nurse, a home nurse, taking care of an elderly man. The alcoholic son in that home, raped her, forced his way on her, had sex, and the 40-year-old that couldn't have a baby conceived. Well, she was obviously shocked. She didn't have a steady job. She wasn't married. And so she went to have the baby aborted. And miraculously, in 1943, in Houston, the doctor looked at her. You have to wonder, did he just look down at, at her lower abdomen area and think, Precious potential, promise, possibility. I don't know what the doctor thought. He just said, no, he refused to do it. He turned her away. She went home, back to the place where she was nursing, said she walked out on a screen porch. Now, this is her story. She said she sat down and prayed, and she heard God say, have the baby. The baby will bring joy to the world. So she assumed it'd be a girl named the baby Joy. Well, the baby was born. It wasn't a little girl. It was a little boy. Thank God she changed from joy to (laughs) To uh, James, you know, my good friend Johnny Cash had a song about being tough to be a boy named Sue. And we used to laugh about how I would have been a boy named Joy. But the fact is, she named me James and put an ad in the paper and asked someone to come get me. And they did. At age five, she took me away from the foster home she put me in. And I lived in poverty for 10 years. It was tough. The alcoholic that raped her came in our home and tried to kill her, tried to kill me. I nearly killed him in self-defense. He went to prison. I left that home. I went back to the pastor and his wife. I found Christ. At age 18, God called the shyest kid on the planet to preach. And by 19, I was overflowing coliseums and auditoriums. And I did that for 25 years, preaching 600 citywide meetings. God took a little unplanned for, unwanted boy, a little baby, and gave him life because of a miracle. Now, many people would say, well, 
she should have been able to have that baby aborted. All the way through the whole abortion battle, I have said that the life of the mother, rape and incest will always be something that's going to have to be left in the hands of the family. Here's what, here's what I want to say. Every life is precious and has potential, even the child of a forced, very difficult circumstance. But you're always going to have to leave that in the hands of the mother. As far as having a sexual relationship and conceiving and then using the murder of a baby, the killing of a baby, as a form of birth control or to take care of your own personal convenience is literally destroying precious, innocent life. These same people who are fighting to do that would not want anyone talking about dismantling a puppy mm-hmm. or destroying an animal. It's amazing how wacky their sense of values are. But that's the truth. Here's where we are today, and I pray everybody hears this. The American people are beginning to see how horrible and how ugly the father of lies and his destructive end is. They're beginning to see that. It's just horrible. It's indescribable. This playboy billionaire that suddenly says, I care about you, and I really believe he cares about every single American. He cares deeply about the poor, deeply about the minorities, all of them. That man is seeing the preciousness of life. Many in leadership are seeing it. Here's what has to happen, Chad, and this this is where I hope you don't miss this. The only way we really protect the life of the innocent is to convince people that it is precious, it has unlimited potential and promise. Even in the black community where they say they don't believe in it, they are diminishing their very numbers by killing their babies at the highest level of any, and that's so sad. And by the way, they now have more jobs than they've ever had, as do Hispanics and Asians and others. When you really help the economy the right way, everybody is lifted up by it. And the poor are definitely lifted up by it. I'm going to be talking to Scott Turner tomorrow, who's working with Ben Carson and the president, to bring the wealth of the entrepreneurs into the inner city to help build them up. This is the way it ought to be. This is the way it ought to work. Government can't fix everything, but we can help pave the way to do it. All right, with abortion, here's what has to happen. If we will continue to emphasize the preciousness of every life, we will win. We won't win by going after the laws that are bad. Bad thinkers, bad practices, bad beliefs keep bad laws. You put good laws in place, lawless hearts will break them. We've got to show the hearts of individuals the preciousness and potential and value of every human life. We stop abortion, Chad, the same way you stop people from smoking in a restaurant, on an airplane, on a bus. Who would have ever thought that you could have smoking outlawed in entire cities in any public place? You said it never would happen. Had you come out just to pass the laws to stop it, it wouldn't have happened. You had to change the mind and heart where people saw smoking as a danger, a disease potential, even secondhand smoke. Once we change the minds and the hearts of people toward smoking, you don't smoke on an airplane. You don't smoke in public places. You see, what happened is the thinking and the heart and the attitude change. We are seeing the attitude of people changing now toward the beauty and preciousness and potential of every life. Those in the womb are valuable and precious. That's what we have to focus on. That's what the church focuses on. Do we vote to stand and pass laws to protect? Yes, but they won't stand if you don't change the hearts and the thinking and the minds of people. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. And that's the encouraging thing. We have seen a decrease in the amount of annual abortions. We've seen things go down. We went from 1.5 million. Now we're at about three quarters of a million annually in this year. And it's because of an attitude. It's because of an attitude. We're seeing now we are seeing more single mothers. 
we're seeing more men who yep. are choosing to have their babies rather than abort. And, and whereas one situation is not the best, most optimum situation as we would look at it, at least they're choosing to have their babies. No, we adopted a son because the woman chose to have the baby and put the baby up for adoption. That's where we got our son, father yeah. of four of our beautiful grandchildren. And that leads to the point where there's so many people out there who would say, oh, you conservatives and you Republicans and you all these folks that are pro-lifers, you all care about the baby until the baby's born and then you don't care anymore. Well, we must care. Yeah. We must care very deeply. And there are many, many right now who are working so hard to take care of them. We do. We try to support every type of organization that will save lives. That's why we feed 400,000 hungry children a week. That's why we drill water wells all over the world. We love people. We want to we want to see the least of these as important. Mm-hmm. And you certainly want to see the little newborn babies and the babies that do have a single mom or the babies that need help being looked after. And churches are rising up to do it. And churches must do it. And the government must be willing when they're trying to give help not to say if you believe in God and you really believe in the love that God talks about, then you can't have any help from any government organization. You've got to scrap any government support because you talk about God. That is absolute nonsense. And this president says, I want to stop that nonsense. Thank God for it. That's called freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and freedom of the expression of what you believe. And we've got to protect that. But right now we're on the way to losing it. Well, I know that when we look forward to things, I've always believed that the prospects of the future are as bright as the promises of God. And we've got some great, great promises to believe in and hold on to. But they're they're absolutely ineffective if we don't embrace them and pursue them and, and, and go after them. And I, and I appreciate what you said about the salt losing. You know, and that's exactly right. You know, Jesus said if the salt loses its savor, I mean, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out. And here we are. And it's trampled underfoot. And, and we're, we've so laundered the faith, and we have so laughed at the faith for so long. And, and it, we've made it to the point where now it's ludicrous. And people look at it and they say, yeah, but I hear that. And prayer is good for what prayer is for, and faith and church. And yes, but let's get practical. But for you and I, I think it's the most practical thing there is. Mm-hmm. There is nothing more practical than Living by a kingdom standard, by living by prayer. Love God and love your neighbor. Right. As yourself. And as crazy as it might seem to some people, this billionaire that once lived only for himself was wrapped up. I've been around him for years now, and he's never once, and no member of the family has, not Don Jr., not Eric, not Laura, none of the family members, not Ivanka. They have never expressed a real interest in anything pertaining to their family and the future for their family. Mm -hmm. They are wrapped up in trying to help every single person in America have what is best, and freedom offers what is best, and a government under control, not out of control, not overreaching, over control controlling, overregulating is not good for the future of the country, not good for freedom, and it's certainly not good for the economy. It's not good for anything. If it functions as a protector, not a provider, a protector, not a nanny, not an all-provident source, but a source of protection and wise oversight, then we have the security and we free the American people and individuals who want to move according to their abilities and their diligence, they can be productive and effective, be blessed and be a blessing. I have encouraged several presidents. You know, you say, God bless America. Why don't you follow with another phrase? And may America bless God mm-hmm. and those he loves. If we in the church would realize that we are here to bless him, our father, and bless others, bless all he, the Father, gave his son Jesus to redeem. He died for us. 
He's been raised to live in us. If we receive that substitute and that total payment for our sin and receive him as the life and love of God that he offers, we can be born from above and have a new life. I hope every one of you who've never met that father, see, I didn't have a father. I met the ultimate father. Chad, our 11 grandchildren love the Lord. Eight of them are married to spouses that love the Lord. It wasn't because they had a perfect or maybe even a great father. It was because they met the great father and fell in love with him. This is the father. Jesus says, I will take you to. And no one comes to the father but by me. Please hear Jesus. Chad, I'm praying for everyone that listens to you and watches you because I know you and I have had enough time together over the years and enough time praying, even about where you're sitting now and what you're doing, that God would use you to help people see the wisdom of the Father that loves him so much and the wisdom that he freely offers and the blessings that he not only wants to pour out on us, but he wants to pour them out through us. If we receive what he offers... He then asks us to release it like a river of life, a river of love. And that's what I'm praying. Everybody that watches you, everybody that tunes in to Blaze Outreach, to CRTV, everyone that listens to Glenn, Glenn, I love you. You are an incredibly gifted person. You're a gift to us for freedom's sake. And I thank God for you. You know that. We've had too many times together praying. I love you deeply. So grateful you're here. Chad, I'm so grateful you're here. I'm, I'm grateful to be your friend in prayer. I love you deeply. I love you too. James Robinson, the host of Life Today, author of numerous books, too many to list. And I appreciate you. I'm thankful for your stance. I'm thankful for your boldness, your faith, your prayers, your encouragement, your admonishments. And uh, there's I, a lot, I, lot more. I, I don't hold back. No, I, and I, I, the you president don't. knows that. Hey, I wish everybody would go to the stream, stream.org. The stream.org. Eric Metaxas gave a speech in Washington the other day to the leaders. It's amazing. He said it's the greatest website on the planet. Mm -hmm. The greatest wisdom flows from these various tributaries every day on the stream. And uh, you'll hear me only occasionally, but you're hearing wonderfully blessed, intelligent, wise people on the stream. I visit the stream.org every day, the stream.org. I encourage everybody to go to it as soon as... You're done listening here. Go over to the stream.org and check it out. And I encourage people to check it out every day. If you want to really hear what what I believe is truly going on in this country, in the state of affairs in America, from from the heart of God and the heartbeat of God, I, I think that you there are a host of editors and writers there that have really captured that in a very relevant way. If you want to be smart and relevant on the issues that you're debating today and you're looking at and wanting to know how do I think about these things, how do I feel about, how should I believe about these, you can go to the stream.org. It is a concise, easy reference tool on a daily basis to read those articles. So and and forward it on any of the subjects where wisdom's flowing in that area. Just forward it on to your friends and tell them to forward it. That way everybody can get right. these tributaries of wisdom. Right. And it all flows into one big river. Yep, one okay. stream. Well, I appreciate you. I love you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do exactly what I asked Phil Robertson to do since we're in that vein. I want you to pray for America. Pray for us. Pray for Donald Trump. Pray for our leadership. And I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to end this episode with that. We pray for us, James. Father, I just thank you for, for Chad, and I thank you for the opportunities he's been given. God bless Glenn. Bless the blaze. 
bless all that this conservative uh, network outreach is attempting to do, but God above all, would you awaken those who say they know you? Would you help them, dear God, to stand and come out from undercover even the comfort of religious closeness? God, please help us not to hide the light any longer. Help us to stand boldly and impact like salt and not lose its effect. Please, God, raise up people with more than common sense, but with wisdom that comes from you. And we ask you to heal our land. And you said, if we would call, we who know you, in humility and seek your face, not just your hands, but your pleasure, and turn from our own indifference and our wickedness, you said you would heal our land. And you even make it clear, you will make up for the years the locusts have destroyed. You will make up for the years that bad decisions have brought on us and make us fruitful again. Thank you, God. We ask you to do it. Lead us into green pastures for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.